Greetings. Has Stonehenge been decoded? Will we be the any the wiser by the end of this programme? Let's find out. Hello there. Hope you're doing well as ever. Michael here. Yeah, Rupert here. And today, as promised, we're at Stonehenge, going back, back, back to Stonehenge. Uh, always a worthy subject, but a few weeks ago, there was a new paper published by our uh, friend, pleased to be able to call him that, uh, Professor Tim, Tim Darville, OBE of Bournemouth University, uh, brought out a new paper, a surprise new paper about Stonehenge, in that... Uh, it dealt with the uh, calendrical aspects of, of Stonehenge uh, and the hypothesis that uh, that's the purpose through numerical means uh, what Stonehenge was all about. I say odd because in the past, you know, Tim's been more of a stone and, you know, uh, archae- very from the archaeological point of view, you know, what's in the ground, um, you know, and to do with the bluestones, of course, but this sort of rather more ethereal area, we, it's a surprise to hear him pipe up in it. Well, in fairness, he has he has talked uh, at length about the calendrical aspects before. It's just he's he's never really nailed it quite so strongly as he has in this new piece of research. As he's just, That's it, it's, right. it seems that uh, crossing some T's and dotting some I's has uh, has just uh, revealed another few <laughs> just refining points. Don't you think? Yes, and he's nailed it strongly enough, you know, for the mainstream media to um, take yeah. take notice, and uh, you know, so so it has been yeah. in the headlines. So this is our uh, two penneth worth uh, on top of that. Really, mm. I thought I'd begin just. It's got a bit of a preamble at the uh, at, at the top of the the, the the paper. There, I thought I might start by reading that just to read sort of that out. Yes. Give a broad context. <laughs> so at the beginning, uh, Darville says, scholars have long seen in the monumental composition of Stonehenge evidence for prehistoric time reckoning, a Neolithic calendar. Exactly how such a calendar functioned, however, remains unclear. Recent advances in understanding the phasing of Stonehenge highlight the unity of the Sarsen settings. Here, the author argues that the numerology of these Sarsen elements materialises a perpetual calendar based on a tropical year of 365.25 days. The indigenous development of such a calendar in northwestern Europe is possible, but an eastern Mediterranean origin is also considered. Uh, the adoption of a solar calendar was associated with the spread of solar cosmologies during the third millennium BC and was used to regularise festivals and ceremonies. So that's it in a in a kind of uh, nutshell. Um, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. So thanks, folks. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> no, it is. Uh, it's truly fascinating, though, isn't it? Un- unraveling uh, Stonehenge as a whole. Uh, you know, mm. when you look at the the numbers, the way he has explained them, and uh, uh, I confess that you know, even though we've been, how many times have we been there? Uh, you know, I mean, uh, over the years, lots, and and within the stones, uh, only a couple. But um, it's when somebody explains something to you the way he's gone into depth uh, in this paper hmm. that uh, it it gives you a completely different view 
of uh, of what you've seen uh, yeah. so many times. It, it really is quite it, fascinating. It would be fascinating to get back and uh, uh, and see, you know, if it opens your, our eyes a little bit more. You know, it's, a, it's you're always viewing something in a different context. Yes. So yeah. we would be remiss, I think, if we didn't just remind people, you know, because it's important to un- remember how Stonehenge is constructed and uh, and what we're what we're referring to. Uh, when we talk about the numbers. That's a handy way of doing it. Some people will be listening audio only, though. Um, Folks, for those of you listening, uh, I am just uh, rotating in my hand a a beautiful model of Stonehenge (laughs) that my mother gave me quite some years ago. Yeah, (laughs) beautiful. Mm. It is. You do know the provenance of that? She bought it at Stonehenge, I think. Oh, right, Okay. From the gift shop, <laughs> probably <laughs> something like okay, probably. But she gave it to me about twenty years ago. I think. Yeah, it's a it's a funny thing though. Even for uh, talking, speaking for myself, uh, having looked at diagrams, having been there, stood in the stones several times, it's actually a very difficult structure to hold in your head as a as a concept, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I, I think one of the aspects of that. Uh, is you know we we've talked at length before about uh, the blue stones and of course it was all, all over the news um, yeah. uh, before when Mike Parker Pearson's work was talking about uh, uh, the the relocation of an entire stone circle whether you agree with that or not the point is that the stones did come from Priscelli uh, so you've got all these different phases. Uh, uh, developing the site overall and of course we go to it today and we see the whole thing you know we see however many centuries of work and we see it all there in one finished piece and imagine that it always looked like that which of course it didn't mm-hmm. so uh, i think beginning with the outer circle um, which is i don't know is the mo- it is the most prominent thing that you see approaching it, for isn't sure. It? The, the yeah. outer circle, yes. Uh, even though it's not as tall the that ring as the inner horseshoe, but the outer circle is made of up of thirty upright sarsens uh, linked together with the commensurate number of of lintels. Now those are not all in place nowadays, and and quite a few of them are actually missing either down mm. on the ground or missing uh, completely. So uh, although the ring circle isn't complete now, it is firmly established through uh, the sockets in the missing stones places that it was uh, complete at, at one point. Yeah. I think that's all we need to say about the outer ring for the moment. The inner horseshoe, the opening end of which points to the north uh, east, east. Uh, yeah. And is aligned with the uh, midsummer uh, sunrise um, pretty precisely, and further on, you know, via the the heel stone and uh, some of the, the outer stones as well, uh, and the uh, back opening, you know, the, the, it being made up of um, uh, sort of five groups of two, making up the five. Uh, trilithons that make up the uh, horseshoe uh, element. The rear sort of uh, aperture, if you like, points directly uh, north, uh, sorry, southwest to the midwinter sunset. Indeed, 
Yeah. yeah. And the other um, element that needs to be is outside the circle and close to the inner ring of the, or uh, almost on the inner ring of the uh, uh, the bank and ditch, um, but for what are called station stones. Only two of the stones are still there, but the socket holes for the other two are, uh, are there. So they're... Um, uh, importance with the whole thing. And something that Tim points out uh, in this article particular, it particularly is these are the particular elements of Stonehenge that belong in phase two, i.e. they are contemporary with each other. So the fact that they uh, come together in this, as we'll talk about numerically makes sense it's not the the problem before with so many interpretations of stonehenge as being a calendar or even a computer or something they've brought in elements that are not contemporary that are not contemporaneous with with each other to to bring in to make something that works together and you can't do that um if they were in the landscape at different times or you know, were not conceived to get by the same people at the same time to be brought together. So that's what's slightly different about uh, Tim's approach here, is that these main elements, the outer ring, the 30 stones, the uh, five trilithons and the four uh, station stones, they uh, are contemporaneous with each other and so forth, conceivably work together. Have I done uh, enough there? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well said, sir. <laughs> well said. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it is fascinating when you look at the way the numbers actually pan out, don't you? So you've got the mm. the, the thirty uprights in the outer circle, which mm. uh, uh, which are each of the days of the month, and uh, and then the the station stones. Uh, so the, the uh, so, so each month was actually divided into three weeks, if you want to call them weeks. But it was div the, each month was divided into three periods of ten days, and uh, and the the five uh, trilithons of the of the inner uh, horseshoe uh, they make up the uh, the five. Uh, now, what's the word that they use? Um, I can't remember the damn word. Oh, a, a particular way, a uh, number of uh, a particular sort of day. Yes, yes. Um, it's the it's the. You could keep talking, and I could look in. Yes, go on. You look, look it up. Well, I, uh, so so you have. <laughs> so you, you have continue this, making a fool this of yourself. In a horseshoe, <laughs> I memorised that word over and over and over. I said it to myself, and I still can't remember it. Um, yeah. But uh, so they the uh, that horseshoe of five trilithons makes up the uh, the additional month uh, it, it's, a, it's like a mini month put it that way that gives you the extra five days and then the outer uh, rectangle of the station stones each one of those each year you'd move along one of those or round one of those stones that would ultimately bring you to uh, the additional day every four years the leap year so yeah. it's a, it's an extremely complex uh you know gloriously um clever uh calendar on the ground um well I, another way of putting it, it it sounds sort of complex but in actual it, it it's blindingly simple is it you've got well, it's blindingly 30. simple once it's done but how how long how many generations did it oh take? i see what you mean yeah 
How many generations did it take to actually figure that out and make it sit there on the ground? You know, I well, that's probably something to sort of think about when we talk about the sources of where it may have come from, you know, whether mm-hmm. it was indigenously arrived at or whether it came from f- further afield. Indeed. But the thing to get clear is we're talking about 12 cycles of 30 to bring us to 360 days. That's um, uh, five short of the 365 uh, that you need. So the, the counting the trilithons in the horseshoe, make that up, count those off. And then every four years, of course, you need to make up for the lost day, the 0.25. Um, so you count off using the station stones every four years, and then you add another day in every four years, every time you complete that cycle. So it, to have those numbers, those particular numbers lined up like that, you know, uh, that produce 365.25, yeah, it's not to be sniffed at, is it? 35 and 4. Damn. You know, there, there we go. Boom, I should say. Sorry, I didn't yeah. find out the, uh, uh, the, the, the technical term that you had for the extra five days there. Uh, oh, I I'll have to find it I because failed. it'll drive Sorry. me insane. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, okay, so well, you were talking about origins then. Yeah, uh, yes. Just before we leave those numbers, though, you know, yes. I, I, I think that's right. It's extraordinary that those numbers line up, if you like, hmm. so that my phrase I'm using there is that they line up. And it's not extraordinary enough in in my mind. I want a bit, a bit more because there is a missing bit: is how you tally the twelve or six. Because the, the, the days are being tallied, but the months are not. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm? You see what I mean? I see exactly. Uh, who's, what, you mean. What, uh, what? What's keeping track of each time you do the circuit, the 30, 30 day circuit? Uh, and ostensibly, that's missing. There, is, there is no group of six or twelve stones that, or what have you, that possibly mark that off, mm. except that, you know, you said you mentioned the 10 day week yes now that does seem to be marked off in the 30 stones because stones uh, 11 and 21 are markedly narrower uh, mm-hmm. slenderer than the other uh, uprights there and they mark off those 10 day weeks i'm suggesting actually that maybe there's a discrepancy in the 5th 10th, 15th, uh, 20th, and 25th to give you six, maybe. Interesting, interesting, maybe. I, maybe. I don't know if Tim's looked for that, but then that would give you at least the, the, the bring you to mid, um, yeah, you'd only have to be counting off two uh, groups of, uh, yeah. uh, of six then to be bringing yeah. you around. Uh, it's also done. fair to say, though, and we've said this many times in other contexts as well, but uh, but the fact that we, we do have the missing horizontals or the missing timber or the missing, you know, whatever else was yeah. at the site, you know, we, we shouldn't uh, imagine that how we see it today is mm. how it would have appeared at the time. There might have been all sorts of refining features that are long mm. since eroded away. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, we shall have to get Tim on himself, of course, and I think uh, we're sort of working along that progress. To, he's process al- he's to, already uh, said he'll do it, and uh, and we'll let you know when we've managed to nail a date. Yeah, well, we? if uh, you can take any more of us wittering about uh, Stonehenge as a calendar <laughs> together with t- Tim himself, yeah, you know, uh, watch out uh, for for mm. that. Um, what was I going to say? Um, the um, I've forgotten what I was going to say now. Uh, well, you had been talking about tongue. marking off the six. Oh, yes, that's right. No, um, I said earlier um, off air is that because you need to be able to count things off, Stonehenge mm. would have had to have been a dynamic uh, site. And, you know, uh, aside from having a special stone that you move around to mark things off, you know, what other ways could you do it? There are... There's no obvious uh, evidence of a, you know, movable stones that are dynamic and used mm-hmm. to uh, tick things off, like the hands of a clock. Um, so one can assume there would be wood, of course. The thing we're forgetting about, of course, and Tim does uh, mention it, there's a group of unexplained um, post holes and, and stuff and, and sockets in the north uh, eastern entrance. Which mm-hmm. are rather sort of random, and not random actually. They look, they look like um, the remains of a toll gate that was there in the entrance. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. You know what I mean? Sort of uh, public access styles, you know, <laughs> but obvi- <laughs> but more likely were to do with uh, uh, alignment and so on and so forth. Um, I wonder so, if they had yeah, a I- large stone ball that actually uh, was rolled along the lintels. Yeah. So you just oh. stop, stop, stop the ball at the, at the appropriate spot every day. Yeah, that. Oh, oh we're, play, we're playing with you now. We're playing with you. However, however, the the uh, Tim goes on to make the uh, compelling point that yes, um, this calendar could have been developed ind- indigenously, could and independently in uh, in in England, in Britain, uh, 2500 BC. But there are too many similarities with calendars that were developed, being developed over into, in the eastern Mediterranean, i.e. in uh, Egypt and, and beyond, at the same time and slightly before. Uh, the Egyptians had something called the civil calendar, and that was structured in exactly the same way. It had this 10-week... Um, sorry, 10-day... Ten, ten um, week within the 30-day month, and then uh, in addition, not only the, you, you had the f- five, um, you had the five, you had the five deities. They were represent that those those extra five days who had the, the five deities: Osiris, Horus, Seth, Isis, and Nephsis. Nephsis. <laughs> I'll put the teeth in. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, Tim did, uh, 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 you know, raise the the idea mm. that uh, that you know did uh, did the same thing apply at Stonehenge that those five trilithons, you know, as the the days were being uh, celebrated, you know, did they mm. uh, relate to uh, you know gods in uh, in Britain? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so here Britain? are the two here here are the two main questions then. What is the likelihood that it's coincidental that the number numerology of Stonehenge points directly at a 365.25 day? And two, how likely it is that the way that 
counting system is structured is identical to what they were using in Egypt around about the same time. And all those question marks of, you know, how much fluidity there was as far as travel is concerned and communication, trade, all those things, um, you know, which not so long ago would have been frowned upon, you know, no, 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 everything was developed. Uh, it was fa it was more of fashion than anything, wasn't it? In, in archaeology, to talk about uh, isolation, you know, people, uh, things developing in isolation from one yeah. another, you yeah. know, as opposed to the uh, uh, dispersion um, themes mm. of Gordon Child, you know, where everything evolved and moved from east to, uh, to west gradually. Mm. But now, because of the genetics, we've come back the other way around again uh, yeah. to saying... Uh, you know, it is an interesting spread. thing, isn't it? Because you, you, can't, uh, you can't dismiss the possibility. You know, as, as soon as you're talking about something... You know, it's like anything in science. You know, mm -hmm. the, if something is based on observation uh, and repeated observation, uh, and it's something that happens naturally all the time then you can't yeah. avoid the possibility that it could have arisen in, in uh, uh, independently no, 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 you absolutely can't. No. it could equally as you just said you know when we know quite how much exchange and travel was going mm. on mm. that uh, it, you know it does seem very likely mm. um, well it does to my mind anyway you know, we, mm. we know that, uh, I mean, for example, one of the things that cropped up um, in the news a couple of years ago was how uh, some faience beads had been found in, I think it was Norway, yes. wasn't it? it was, certainly yeah. it was in Scandinavia, I think it was Norway, uh, that they know came from the same foundry, for want of a better word, uh, as the beads that were in Tutankhamun's tomb. And yeah. so you can't say that they were made by the same man. They might have been, but they certainly mm. came from the same place. Uh, so, you know, clearly the, the exchanges were, were there. Uh, whether they took those sorts of concepts uh, mm. with them, I, I have mm. no problem with the concept at all. I, I think it's... Uh, it's more likely than not, I think. Do mm. you? Would you mm. agree with that? Uh, oh, absolutely. And so often it is about likelihoods uh, rather than proofs as in, in prehistory about, you know, which avenue you choose, which you seem is more likely, one solution is more likely than, than another rather than being, being able to be absolute about it. I, I have to say, you'll be thrilled that uh, the, the word we were trying to remember was epigominal. Epagomenal. <laughs> or, oh, or is it, it was on it, the tip or, of my tongue. Or is it epagomenal? <laughs> or epigominal? Uh, I'd do a Google I don't search know. myself. Um, it's also referred to as the intercalary month. Oh, that's better. Yes. It's basically... So, so it's just five, five days. It is the five days, yes. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah, Listen, epigominal. before we wrap up, just before, we need to touch upon, because uh, one big aspect of it that Tim uh, goes on to get into is the why. Why Why do it? Why mm. have this enormous uh, calendar on the Wiltshire Plain or anywhere else uh, for that matter? Because, of course, we can extend this idea of the numerology to other places, I'm sure. It, um, but... Uh, the the why the why um, y I um, 
I mean, I, I, I think it is. We still monumentalise time. We do. Um, uh, in uh, one form or another. Um, you know, and uh, celebrating our relationship with time is quite a, a, a big thing. Um, but I think fundamentally, you know, when it, it is a way, I think, I think what I think is irrelevant, uh, trying to <laughs> convey to you, you know, what, uh, what Tim thinks. And the idea, the first thing to dismiss that they needed it to tell when the seasons were happening. And so farmers need, had to know when to plant and, and do the right things at the right time of year. And is, no, that's nonsense. Farmers know perfectly well already when is the right time to um, do the actual work what this is about is bringing people to celebrate at the right time, to do, in effect, the harvest festival at the right time, to have the right effect. <laughs> so it's a, it's, a, it's a method of, um, of uh, communalising things so people can come together at, at, uh, at the right time uh, to, yeah, do whatever it is they were I, doing. It, it's an interesting thing, gods. isn't it? You know that that, that you know even uh, I say even today. I mean, it, I, it's, there's nothing even about it. It's uh, that it's important to humans. You know, we still celebrate mm. uh, uh, New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. Uh, you know, as if uh, you know, and that clearly is is the. Uh, uh, is all the wonderful aspects of we're now moving back into spring and uh, and mm -hmm. things are getting nice again, um, but uh, but you know historically uh, exactly as you're saying that to have a, a correlation because you could be counting off months, you know a, a, anybody could be looking at phases of the moon and saying you know I'll see you uh, you know on the next full moon now everybody mm. would have that as a, a marker but if you're actually talking about a time of the year then mm. it has to be related to the sun it can't be related to the moon because there's too many yeah. uh, mm. you know yeah. <laughs> if you're and in britain and you've got a lot of cloudy weather then uh, you mm. can't be telling people <laughs> to to keep an eye on the phases of the moon because you might not see it for a month but yeah yeah and it gives people time to prepare. Mm. Once you know certain things are going to happen on a certain day, you know also fr from the use of a calendar, you know how many days you've got. Yeah. Or, how, you know, how many weeks or what, what have you. Preparation would have been an important part. Travel time would have been an important part. And another aspect of it, and I don't want to really go into it here, but is the possibility of uh, it maintaining a, a hierarchy, i.e. the people that have this knowledge, this esoteric knowledge about how to count off the days and, and, and know when and where the sun is going to rise and set on, uh, on particular days uh, and to be able to command uh, be able to uh, control that aspect of people's lives is um, is a powerful is something very powerful and would help to keep any elites or hierarchies such as they may be in in place. Absolutely, knowledge is power. Always has been. And on that bombshell, <laughs> um, I think we shall wind up there. Uh, I think we've done. 
fair justice there. If you'll I, forgive I hope our we waffling have. from time to I, time. I but, hope we uh, have, and uh, yeah. and anything we might have uh, missed out, well, we'll get Tim yeah. to explain it in yeah. due course. And as uh, yeah. Mr. Darvel himself points out, it is a hypothesis. It is not. Uh, you know, a claim or albeit an extremely compelling. So one. it is something as we've done for all of us to uh, to contemplate and and mull over and discount or uh, celebrate as you will. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye bye.